0: The Tablet Show, Episode 61, with guest Miguel Castro. Recorded live Saturday, November 17th, 2012. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Miguel Castro about what it takes to redesign applications to be Windows 8 store style applications. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at Telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard.
1: Hey, Dallas! It's The Tablet Show! Woo-hoo! Oh yeah.
2: This nice. is a huge audience. This is the yes. tablet show? This is, this is the, the tablet, tablet show.
0: We're in Cowboy State.
2: That's right. We're in Cowboy Man. Miguel just looks I get like on his deer bus? in the, hard light, the headlights. <laughs> I'm I'm doing
1: what?
2: <laughs> I'm doing what? So, we are we I'm are here in, this out now. in Dallas, Texas at the ASP.net Users Group. Yeah. Going to have a lot of fun, but before we talk to Miguel Castro, who's here, we need to do a little business starting with Better Know Framework. All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, you know that I've been doing, uh, looking on CodePlex for different projects and things, and, mm-hmm. and I'm always finding link to something, right? Yep. Link to the universe, right? Link to everything. Yep. Well, the latest one I found is in a toolkit called JSON.net, which you may know about because it's very popular, but if you don't... This does link to JSON really as well. It's a flexible JSON serializer for converting between .NET objects and JSON. That's much faster than .NET's built-in JSON serializers. Nice and uh, very cool. Lots and lots of great features. If you haven't checked it out, do so. And where do we find it? It's at json.codeplex.com. Oh, you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Know it, learn it, love
1: it. Richard, love it. who's talking to us? I grabbed a comment off of show 57. That's the show we did on the road trip with Brian Noyes. That's right. And he was talking about line of business apps in Windows 8. And mm-hmm. Ron Falanga, who has won a mug before, but not a tablet show mug. So He's right. excited about this. He's doubly. says, uh, hi, Carl and Richard. I've really been enjoying these podcasts around the US and Canada. I wanted to ask a question about this one. On this interview and others I've heard on either The Tablet Show or .NET Rocks, there's been mention of the need to cut down on the number of items asked of users on modern UIs. I think the argument is a good one, but I'm wondering if there isn't something like a happy medium point that one has to reach for. For example, I'm working on rewriting one of our legacy apps. This app is used by counselors in a guided interview with clients. There's something like 450 questions, all answers of which get stored into a database. Back when we were designing the original app, we looked at another version done by someone else. They took it to the opposite degree, and they brought up each data item, each question on its own separate form. Can you imagine answering 450 questions, one form slash page at a time? Users hated that app.
0: SDMVP survey.
1: Nice. Oh. <laughs> dumb <laughs> So we broke it up into nine separate major sections and at least three tabs per section. Anyway, I'm sure that there's no one design that fits all, but how do you break up something so large and yet not overwhelm the user? That
2: is uh, exactly what I want to talk about on today's show. Well, that's why I picked this question. That's great, because decomposing apps is, is a big problem. And, of course, in that case, I would say you're going to have to ask the – how many questions were there? to fifty. You're gonna. You're asking the user to answer 450 questions. Doesn't matter what the UI is. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that's, a lot of questions. That's a lot of questions. Doesn't matter what the UI is. Yeah. I would say make it a game. Yeah. Make it fun. You're gonna sit there for a long time and answer questions. Why not like win a prize?
1: But and and also the sense of continuity that you answer a question, it moves on. You know how far along you are. Yeah. I like, think all, like all all those things are important.
2: You really need 450 answers to Apparently a question. Apparently
1: Jeez. Yeah. I I that's my first, first question, question, is, question. Yeah. Why, why do you want All yeah. those
2: answers What are you doing What are you doing
1: Anyway that's uh, That's what he's got Rod thanks yeah. so much For your question Thanks for listening To the show I, I know you've been We exchanged a lot Of emails with him And this was yeah. the one I thought fit really well With our conversation And I know we wanted A tablet show mug Yeah So a tablet show mug Is on its way to you And if you'd like A tablet show mug Just write a comment On the site At thetabletshow.com
2: Hey Miguel Castro is here <laughs> Hey Miguel. Carl, how's it going? It's going well. Going Having well. Great we really time. Enjoyed as usual. your presentation. Sort of uh, it combined your sort of top 10 things that annoy Miguel Castro with uh, your your just sort of the uh, a snapshot of the state of of technologies and which ones you prefer using.
0: Yeah, it was more of a stream of consciousness is what I would. I wouldn't even call it a presentation. It was yeah. I was just blurting things out.
2: Okay,
1: though so I did put a little bit of thought into the top ten list. Yeah, yeah. So it's not really a stream, more of a flood, a flood of consciousness, regurgitation, <laughs> a, the trickle. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a vomitous. Okay. Is that where you're going? That's it. It's good. That's I'm, it. I'm glad you're finally on the tablet show because you you know we talk about Win8 here and mobile stuff here and oh, this is stuff you've been working on. When you mentioned the tablet show earlier, um, I didn't I didn't know this was going to be an episode of it. But when you mentioned
0: you do this thing at the tablet show, what was my first reaction?
2: What's the tablet show? Nice. Yeah, that was yesterday.
1: It's, I think. The, it's yeah. the show you're on. Yes. Yeah. That
2: so it's just like .Net Rocks, but we're focused on modern apps. Yes, and you know, course. you've been writing apps for the last four four years or so. You're you're walking towards modern apps anyway.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so so you you probably have even if this is the first time you thought about some of these things. I'm really interested in getting your answers because you got a lot of experience and with a lot of different technologies. And the whole problem of decomposing big behemoth apps into smaller chunks and pieces uh, is, well, you know, that's really the challenge for us, as as I mentioned in my talk, I think.
0: It is, absolutely.
2: And uh, even in websites and in web apps, you don't want to overwhelm the user with everything that they can do all in one screen. But I think um, we've had to put stuff into boxes that do everything in one box just because of the way... We sort of grew up with PCs and their power and the whole idea that you can't just take over the screen and all of that. So what do you think that um, if you had let's say, you know, pick the biggest app that you've ever done for a company, right? The most complex app, the most number of screens input and all that stuff, if you had to break that up, like what, what where would you start with that process?
0: Well, first of all it depends on what it is that I'm trying to collect. I mean one of the like the listener that sent in that question, um at the minute that they started describing, you know, a, a site, a website that's collecting all these things from a user, mm-hmm. um my mind immediately went to one location um that I encounter over and over and over again. And maybe not in the scale of, of four hundred fields, but any site that you have to register for, they have to fill out a registration. Yep. Um yeah. we constantly see um a, an extreme approach to collecting all this information, um, and one of the things that that I really appreciate is when I want to when I come across a site that, in my opinion, has done it right. And in this particular example, I think the doing it right is not so much as what information you're collecting, because you may have a very good reason for collecting all this stuff, but when it is that you're collecting it. Because Mm -hmm. if you break that process up and you get those 400 fields collected at different points in time that can even span... Period of days It will never Ever seem As that many To the user And an example Of this is When you're Registering In some kind Of commerce Sites A lot of Commerce sites Want you to Enter Basically All your Personal information All your Shipping All your Billing Your your Credit card Stuff Your firstborn's name Your yep. dog's Name I mean all Of this stuff All up front Before they even Let you log into The site That's one of the Most annoying Things that I've Ever seen right. That almost Reeks of what This user was but Trying it, it also, to Describe It creates Bounce rate People walk Away Completely. And in a commerce site, that's detrimental. Yeah. I mean, that kills your business right Wait, what there. What
2: was the site that I was on? Just a, I can't remember what I was doing, but I was trying to go through a process and, oh, I know what it was. This was great. I was sending out uh, a Gmail to people who had registered on the road trip to be notified of, uh, of uh, the Dev Intersection thing. Right. So I had just a ton of email things in my BCC, right? So Gmail says this is an invalid address. This is an invalid address. This is an invalid address. So I went through that process like fifty, and then I got to the last one and said, "Oh, there's too many addresses in this list."
1: Uh, should, so shouldn't that have been that has, should have first? been the first? Right. thing? they
0: should have warned you about that. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So and the it, order in which you provide feedback is and, very and critical. think about it in a commerce site. What do you need immediately right away to get that person to log in? Actually, you don't need anything. No. You can let them right into the site and collect things under an anonymous tag, anonymous ticket. And then later, if they want to, if they want to do something else, you can remind them, create an account so you can come back in and remember this stuff, right? And even then, you need minimal information, right? A user ID and a password. Mm -hmm. You don't even need personal information. Now, when the checkout process comes, You can start collecting that information. Now here's here's something that I found that was really, really cool. I was doing um I was filling out a form at a commerce site for a Mm -hmm. company. I'll even I don't remember the name of the company, but I'll tell you what the product was. They're a company that you send your iPod to and they swap out the hard drive. So you get like 350 gig iPod. Nice. Instead of 160 gig, which is the max, right? And now I have a music collection that is probably bigger than everybody's in this room put together. So this was an important thing for me. But I hadn't quite decided. I don't if know. I this is
2: Texas. To. Things are big here.
0: That's yeah. very true. That's very true. You know, they ought to redraw the map of Texas to look like this at the bottom.
1: Nah. It's going swoop. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So they. <laughs> who's sorry saying, to, huh? Hey, sorry to derail you. <laughs> yeah. So hand, uh, hand gestures on
0: so, an audio so, show. Yeah. So. Ch- <laughs> So check it out I, I, First of all I appreciated the fact That I didn't have to fill out All this registration information To do my shopping First of all yeah. But I did agree to do the shopping And I agreed to check out And I got to the point Where I filled out My personal information I filled out my shipping And billing And if you're writing A commerce site And you do not have the option Is billing the same as shipping yeah. You should not be in this business If yeah, I ever right. see anybody That forces you On those two sides right. Please get out of the business now And tell me about it So I can blog about you Nice, And right at the point where I was about to enter my credit card, believe it or not, I actually had a change of mind, and I I thought that it just wasn't worth the money right away. I didn't want to spend the $300 that this was going to cost me, maybe later. So I closed out of the site. Completely. So yeah. you were all the way at the very end. And I closed out of the site. But let me tell you what happened because this I've never seen this experience before. Basically, twenty-five to thirty minutes later, I get an email from the company saying we real we, we notice that you started the checkout process for the following item and you left us without confirming it. We'd like to offer you twenty percent if you go back in and finish it. Wow. Now, it's not the twenty it's not the twenty percent coupon that I'm applauding, even though that was very cool. It's the fact that they maintained my state. At a point that you don't expect state to be maintained. Mm -hmm. And that was a very interesting thing. I don't know that I would have led with the coupon. I would have just said, hey, I noticed you didn't finish this. Could you tell us why? Well, there was definitely a spot for that. Yeah. And it's great that they want that information. It's perfectly valid they want that information. But you know what? You may have a very valid reason for collecting 400 pieces of information. I'm going to question what the application does, obviously. Yeah. Maybe a commerce site does not, but you may be doing uh, uh, some kind of data collection where you really do need that information. For God's sakes, don't let the user force to enter it all in one shot mm. and don't let them lose the information when they leave. Rig it in a way where state is maintained intelligently. Um, and it, all that stuff goes a long way because people may not care about entering 400 pieces of information today. They may
1: not care about it if they have a couple of days to do it. But they may care about shit. Do I got to do this now? Right. I also you know? think you, people get a sense of like, a, it's like a Jenga stack. It's, it's, and every time I enter, I'm, I'm making things less and less stable as it gets That's longer. Right. You're taking you're pieces pieces out. piece out. It's right. like, you're going to, you know, there's a commitment to entering data. Yeah. You're three screens in and now it blows up. Now you're furious. Yep. Right. So, so the longer you go and the, the more you lose confidence, like it's going to die. That's right.
2: So getting back to the decomposition thing, let me give you an example I know you have dealt with. When somebody comes up to you, your customer and says, "All right, so we're bringing up 10,000 user, you know, 10,000 records on the screen and I know, stop them right stop yeah. right there." So, yeah, so there's the problem, right? So I actually had somebody come up to me at one of our road trip shows and say, "You know, all this uh windows store app stuff is great, but you know, how do i pick from 10,000 items and uh, my first question was you don't that's just w- why you know why and and so you know because the user w- wants that well no the user wants to do something but that's ha- that's a how not a why that's not an end result the end result they just wanted to to filter down to a few
0: users but it's not the user that is describing this necessity yes yeah, it's it's the, the point of hair boss no it's the point of her boss oh okay You're right The user A smart user Is not going to want to Scroll through that Without some kind of mechanism For doing quick filtration For example When you are demoing um, um, The the hotkeys On there The ability to find The command prompt Right Simply by starting to type, like you type CMD and you hit enter. Yeah. You did it too fast for them. What you didn't show them is that the minute you do CM, it starts filtering down the list. Sure. That kind of stuff is crucial. Maybe, yes, maybe you do have a a list of 10,000 things in a grid that you may need to display. First of all, for displaying, I'd use some kind of virtualization so they're not all loaded in memory. Or you don't even
2: need to show them that. You could just show them the number of how many are, are returned, right? As you type and as you filter down, you see how many.
0: But the user knows this and the user appreciates this because they're the ones that are going to be doing this work and they're going to be the ones that are using your app. It's usually the people in charge who are not even users of the app that are making the decisions for them. I need this for my users. My users are going to want this. You're full of it. You don't know what your users are going to want because I know you haven't talked to them yet. Users think they know how they should... When you give the the boss what they want, even though it's bad, who is the user going
1: to blame? Right. Part of this is also a confidence issue. People... They don't trust that the stuff's actually stored. Like, why do I want to see 10,000 years? Cause I want to know they're there. Right. Yeah. Right. So find other ways to create that confidence. I also find the, like, the, the dialogue from hell. Yeah. Right. That options dialogue with every button and dial on it that you can't find anything oh, yeah. on. That's a confidence issue. They don't, tr- if it's not there, it doesn't exist. Right. We break it up into smaller pieces and then they're worried they can't find things. Like, I right. Think you, you've just got to create a sense of continuity. I mean, back to Rod's comment with all those questions. I think Win8 would be great at that. You can show a few at a time, but you can always have a sense. There's more questions to the right. You can right. keep scrolling. Right. Most importantly, and I can go back. Yeah. That nothing's broken, nothing's lost. Like and you can get I could, away from that dialogue effect where things disappear.
2: And, he, and the context thing is great too. So I could close that app and load it up on my phone, and I'd still be at question thirty-eight. Yeah, Right. exactly. That, you know, we've been able to do that ever since we've had network connectivity and an internet and a website, but nobody has done that because we haven't had three different screens, right? We've had an app on, we've had an application on the desktop. We haven't and, needed and, to have. And, you know, it's funny that you use context. that as an example
0: because one of the things, like Carl showed you a really good demo on how to write a Windows Store app very quickly, uh, but he'll be the first one to admit there's a lot of little details that you still have to learn to to bring the store app to production quality, oh yeah, I mean how to properly do navigation, He mentioned MVVM, for example, something you want to do. Well another topic that's crucial in Windows Store apps is state management, and it's something that I cover a little bit in my article, but I cover it more heavily in a, in a conference presentation that i 'm going to do in, in december yeah. mm-hmm. and and state management is done in a very specific way in Windows Store apps for the very reason that you may be in the middle of this app, and it will either crash. Or you may just, I mean, in the middle of the app, you chose to press the Windows Home button and go to another app. When you come back in... It'd be nice if you were right at the place where you left off. And it that turns doesn't happen out you free app, of charge. You have to account for this in
2: your application. Well and the first thing you need to say is that these apps don't just hang out while you're not using them. So they, they actually go to sleep. Yep. And you have to you get a notification, you get what, five seconds?
0: You got five seconds. And also if you're running if you're running low on resources, WinRT will manage the lifecycle of that app. No, it no, will no, kill, it kill it for <laughs> you. So you got to know how to properly maintain state. So doing that across screens is important. You get a message from the operating system: you are about to be dehydrated. Yeah,
2: (laughs) you are about to die. Say your prayers. How about this? You know, if you if you swipe down from the top, that closes your app, and so you'll get the close notification there as well. Yep. But five seconds is what you get. That's right. So so what is your strategy for you know making complex apps? Simple. I mean, you, this isn't something that we've we've just walked into, but it's absolutely critical for for Windows Store apps.
0: I don't think that there is a a litmus test for making a complex test simple. I, I I do like to. Th- there is a certain question that I that I ask myself. Um, I'll ask it. In, I'll, I'll I ask myself this question. I'll ask it vocally now in the most general terms uh, possible to not uh, point any specific vendor, um, but. Can can the user use this app? And when I say app, I mean this screen, this site, this page, whatever, um without any help whatsoever. And right. mm-hmm. if I training. haven't and when I say without any help, I literally mean without any help. I want to I mean my, my test is gonna be I'm gonna put my eight year old girl, my eight year old daughter in front of this. And if she can use it, I think I was successful in in, yeah. in doing that. Yeah. Uh, as far as not make not making a complex app, and it's it's a challenge. It definitely is. Right. Um, there are there are there are companies out there, uh, more than one, and Microsoft is one of them that have actually got this down to a science. Mm-hmm. And this is becoming um, ever so more important in the topic of mobility sure. because you want nobody's going to pick up a tablet or a phone and have the manual next to you. Nobody's going to Google the. I'm sorry, Bing. <laughs>
1: Bing it with Google.com. Google it with Bing. <laughs> Google the, it with Bing.
0: The, uh, the PDF manual for Surface so they know how to do
1: something here. Um, Although there's all kinds g- of stuff you have to discover in the surface That's right. There's a lot of shortcuts It doesn't take
2: long to figure it out yeah. though.
1: It doesn't, it doesn't take long And a lot of it can be done
0: through exploration Based on knowledge that you already have Right. You know, yeah. uh, think of the whole concept of hackable URLs, right? Yeah. We we make an intelligent assumption On what the URL for something is going to be mm-hmm. I can, without knowing this for a fact I guarantee if you go to www.microsoft.com Slash winRT it's going to land you somewhere, mm-hmm. and it's going to land you somewhere that's not going to say "page not found." It's going to be something regarding WinRT, and pretty much well, any product name. Right.
1: It well, has. It's that's not the actual site, but it will get you there.
0: Right. Well, that that intelligent assumption that I made, that educated guess, we were taught to call that a hypothesis in high school, um, is can be translated to, to something else, and that is usage of an application. Um, you know how to find what? Like you just how to find the command prompt. Well. Yeah. Even if I wouldn't have known that And I knew that shortcut But even if I wouldn't have known that Mm. Starting to type it in Would probably be something I'd try Mm -hmm. It would be one of the things I would try That kind of intuitiveness Without the necessity to go to a third party Meaning a manual To figure out how to do it I think it's crucial in making a a, a good app today
2: Yeah, and you know I talked about the whole You know, who moved my cheese Where's my start button Get off my lawn guy And I was that guy for a long time And I was the same way about the ribbon, right? You know, in office And the thing is, is that it was more difficult for my mother to figure out how to right-click on a folder and select properties and go through tabs over the phone than it is for her to hit the Windows key and type Notepad. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that was hard. This is easy. So, yeah. in one sense, I think that the people who are resistant to it, it's because it's too easy. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. and I still don't buy into automatically discoverable interfaces. because I think there's an awful lot when it is not automatically discoverable. There's... Things you have to learn. That's true. But they're they not terribly hard things. But you do have to
2: learn them. But once you learn them, I think your long-term productivity is much... Much better, you have a much better chance of using those things over and over again.
0: and there they're, they're, are they're little little programmatic tricks that you can do to give your your apps a little bit of on-screen guidance. I mm-hmm. mean we see that with tools today. I mean, for example, you know Mark Miller is terrific at this uh, when, when he did Code Rush, right, right. He, he, he does discoverability yeah. where you do something and it, something pops up telling you what just happened
1: and why, yeah. and giving you a list of related. Shortcuts, that kind of thing, and always an undo, and and always an undo. That's another part. If you actually want to build, I I did notice this in Win Eight. You know, you do any, you go off anywhere wrong, you just hit the Windows key, you go back to where you last were, right? Like you just literally toggle between those two spaces. So you're not afraid to explore. You can't break it. Yep.
2: This portion of the Tablet Show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight Controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems. All of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash freestuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash freestuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the Tablet Show. Here's one pattern that I see in Windows 8 that I really like. If you take a, an app that has a lot of screens in it, you know, a lot of different screens, because we're trying to do multi, more than one thing in an application, a mm-hmm. Windows app, right? So look at the Weather app in Windows 8. The Weather app actually has four different screens that are all accessible just by scrolling to the left with your fingers. And the first one is a Summary and then you get to an hourly forecast And you get buttons and dials and stuff And then you go to the next one You get some weather maps And then historical data Which you can play around with And tinker around with You know, there's buttons and things there But those are four separate screens That give you four different things to play with All within the context of the same app And you just get there by sliding around Right,
1: it's like I think the problem is the concept of a screen Yeah Because it frightens people I mean... Everyone in this room and probably most people listening here are pretty confident that yeah, okay, the screen went away, I can get it back. Yeah. I may not know how, but object I can get it permanence. Back. Right. right. That's but that's that I think what eight's done a good job of is there's only one screen. It's infinitely yeah. large. That's right. And you just keep sliding your way through more and more and more of it, which also means you have the confidence you can always go back. That's right. Yeah. And so these screens in the weather app are mostly,
2: you know, consuming data, but you know, it could easily be a line of business app that has Input screens and entry screens, or jumping off points to go to other screens, which you can then get back yeah. to.
1: Through navigation, right? Through navigation. Absolutely. So, Rod's yeah. 400 questions, maybe four per given view space, and you scroll to the next four, and the next four, and the next Could four, and you yeah. just keep scrolling, but you can always I, go
2: back. I honestly think you should make a game out of it. Like, you yeah. should get points, you know, ding, ding, ding. It should be like, you know, you don't know Jack. Remember that game? Yeah. yeah. You look, you know. I,
1: and I do like breaking stuff up so that you don't terrify someone. You know, that you, if you drop 400 questions in one big screen, you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, you're just showing the whole mountain. Most people will get up and walk away. I, I totally agree, right? <laughs> Now's a good time to use the bathroom. You know, the same way that, like, Disney plays the tricks with the way they do queuing, So you never see the whole queue. You never want to show everyone the total load of work before they start. You'll, you'll drive them off. Get them in. Get them committed a little bit at a time, a little you're bit at a time, a little bit of time. You're
2: talking about navigation. One of the things I like about navigation is it sort of brings the best of... Uh, a line of business app with the best of the web. In other words, we can be, let's say we're entering insurance data, like in a doctor's office and we're pulling out stuff. And then we can say, you know, has this user been here before? So then you can immediately navigate to a search screen to search for that user and then come back. Right. Or, uh, immediately go to their profile and then come back to where you were. Like there isn't, uh, it's not like necessarily wizard style where you have a hierarchy of screens that you have to go, from and then back to. You can sort of jump around. But this whole idea of decomposing these large apps is what I think most people are going to be struggling with with Windows 8 in in the line of business world anyway. Um, So I'm always interested to hear what, and I'd be interested to hear what you guys think, you know, uh, our audience here, about apps that you have and how you might go about, you know, uh, breaking them down into smaller apps and and what the challenges would be there.
1: Miguel, you were just working on a project for quite some time that was yeah. WPF based.
0: Me and Brian. Me and Brian Noise were on okay. this project, yeah.
1: And so I mean WPF is the precursor to Metro, really. Mm-hmm. And, you know, And Silverlight. And so in terms of just organizing information, you know, how different was the UI? <laughs> well, we didn't exactly have a lot of
0: we had a certain amount of freedom yep. in the individual screens, but not in the overall General the, the navigational the,
1: architecture? Yeah,
0: that. we did not have because what we were doing is that we were writing a slice. We were writing a piece of a product that was going to get plugged into a large product right. to replace a current piece. So it had to fit into an existing product which has its share of problems, um, especially in the area of navigation and UI layout. Uh, so there were some things we were forced to deal with that we could not redesign. We just didn't have that freedom. Uh, we didn't have that capacity uh, because it was not going to be a, a 100% standalone app. So Me and Brian talked about this extensively we said It yeah. would be great If this was a Nothing more than A standalone app you know, And this right. app was Pretty big yeah. on its own Just this slice of it And it was going right. into An even larger app Which was massive right. But if we had the freedom Of doing this as a standalone right. We would have probably Taken a completely Different
2: approach and since your data Is all in the cloud You know you get You, you don't have to have Everything in one app
0: It's the state isn't. This in particular the app, the data was not in the cloud. Oh, it wasn't. And that's correct. And and everything that we were dealing with did need to be loaded in mm. because huh. w- it was a very interesting sector. The sector had to do with chromatography, okay. se- separation of chemicals, right? Mm-hmm. And the multiple screens that we had uh, each corresponded to different chromatography devices, spectrometers, pumps, things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, fields in one device would relate directly. And validate or invalidate fields on another device. And it has to be done in an active fashion, in a live fashion. So you need to be able to change some numbers on this pump, for example. And you might have just broken something on a on an oven or a sampler that's on another screen on another tab Neat. and if you go over there you'll see that you just broke something because it directly relates to a change you just made yeah. uh, and some of these some of these things that we loaded in were you know a couple of dozen devices so this was one of those cases where unfortunately it, we genuinely needed to load in
1: all this information and have it available so yeah. it was up to us to see how we were going to visually break now it now jump back like right away he's talking about screens for each of the devices. Like I'm just, right. I know you didn't have a chance to do this, but it's like right away I'm thinking, wow, wouldn't you rather have a visualization of all the relationships of all that equipment that you could see as a whole? And then drill into any given device. Oh, I'm thinking graphically. I'm yeah. thinking, uh, right. it,
0: yeah, We had and we talked about this. We had some beautiful ideas. We just right. we we had limitations you to were what we can in. do. We sure. were locked into the 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 thirty thousand foot view. We were locked into yeah, yeah. the fifteen thousand foot view. We were almost locked into. Then when we got into the individual screens, we had a lot of freedom there, and we we uh, definitely used that freedom. Um, you have to use like toast way.
2: notifications from the other screens. Hey, you know something's broken over here. Oh, totally. Right. That
0: was yeah. actually one of my jobs, the valid. Yeah. The validation engine. I I had to immediately tell you if something else broke over there, I had to let you know no matter what screen you were in. So yeah, there was a lot of... Tell
1: me you weren't popping dialogues.
0: It wasn't popping up dialogues. No, I actually stole this idea and it worked out really well. Uh, And we got a great compliment for it. I'll tell you what that is. Um, I had just come back from the release of uh, Light Switch.
2: Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. The
0: announcement of Light Switch. Yeah. And I really liked the way Light Switch showed their validation errors. When when, uh, fields went bad... You get at the top of the current screen, you get just a little three-quarters of an inch thick yellow uh, rectangle right. that slides down and tells you there are four yeah, four invalid fields. Mm. Click here to see. If you click them, then a little thing pops up at the bottom showing you the fields that right. are wrong. But it is not modal, so it's completely unintrusive. And that right. word is key, I think, in apps going forward. Nothing should be intrusive now.
2: Right, you're going to stop what you're doing and answer this question.
0: And yeah. and if, if, if you shouldn't have to stop what right. you're doing. And I show you and I I, dupl- I duplicated what LightSwitch did in this app and right. the comment that me and Brian got was uh, I love the way the error val- the error uh, display looks so much. This one from one of the bosses. It makes me want to cause errors just so I can see that little <laughs> <piece> <laughs> <of my time. laughs> which was a kind of a cool cool comment. But but it when you know when my validation dialog pops pops down Um, If you want to ignore it at that point in time, do so.
1: Well, the biggest thing is you just not interrupting what you're doing. It,
0: it, it doesn't interrupt you. Absolutely, it tells you that something is wrong, and you're going to run into this problem when you go save because I won't let you save until these problems are fixed. Right. Yep. But if you want to wait till the very end yeah. and then go down the list and see what you got to fix, it's also so possible.
1: It. You know, not that I know anything about the app, but it's like I set these three values this way, and it breaks it. But the next five values I set will set it, make it work again. And, and yeah. that's actually a very good. That's point like because Ninja that Studio happens. Works, that's actually right? happened in that app. Sure. Absolutely.
2: That's what the compiler does. You know, you know, it doesn't wait until you're actually finished. Writing all the code, it's going to you know sure. compile before you, you're done and tell you all the mistakes. And you won't
0: making. address those red issues right away no. because you're you, going to finish you're you're what you're doing. You know what you're coding. You're going to finish coding what you're doing and then you're going to address that list. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: We have a question from the audience. A uh, current application I'm working on has no less than 13 tabs of crud tabs uh, entering and saving and editing data on one
1: page. It was not my idea, it was forced <laughs> uh, upon me. So how would you suggest breaking that up? Or
0: Well, think about how that relates to the, the app that I just described. The first thing I would ask is, are the fields on any one of those tabs directly related to the fields on the other tabs? Yes. They, so so they, they do validate or invalidate other fields on there? Uh, they, could
2: they could be categorized, he says.
0: Okay. Um, so,
2: yeah, so my first question was, why not 13 apps? Right.
0: I don't know about thirteen apps, but I mean, I would definitely have thir- I can have thirteen views, but I would probably prefer to just show one at a time. Yeah. Let the user decide what they're going to see.
2: Well, my first question, and I think this is where you're going. My qu- first question was, and he answered it the, by saying no, but because they, they, they are related, if they're related and they all need to be accessible at the same time. It, well, not, they- not
0: only that, the main problem there is because I mean, there may, be, there may be a perfectly valid reason for having this kind of design, as we had it in ours. Um, you can't have, if, if if something in one of those tabs is going to literally invalidate something on another tab, you can't have that information persisted in that way. Unless you're willing to architect this in such a way where you have a mid-level, a mid-term state persistence. Now, what I mean by that is if you have some kind of, of mid-term state persistence where it's not the end-all, the final database, but a workflow type of database, then you can deal with just one screen at a time. And not worry about tabs. Let the user see one view, and when they and when they when you say, okay, go save this entire workflow, this entire set of uh, set of data, then come up with, well, I can't save it because the following view has something wrong with it. Then they show them that view. It's essentially what we do. It's just that we were forced to put all the tabs on there because we didn't have a a midterm state maintenance. Do you understand what I mean when I say I'm kind of making up the the, the phrase, the term? But it's, it's some kind of persistence of your information, so you're not forced to keep the whole plethora of fields in memory at one time, uh, but you're still able to save out temporarily.
2: Now, what about the, uh, do you think the weather app approach will work? In other words, having those screens just scroll off to the right, and then, of course, maybe up and down as well, um, just so that you can see the whole thing as one big space.
0: Well but he 's talking about data entry. The weather app is not necessarily, no, but it an does matter. Those example. are thirteen
2: different screens yeah, but the Those but screens can be data have uh, data entry fields on them yeah, I suppose they can sure, okay. We have another question from an audience member uh, actually, this is about his question, what you guys are talking about uh, a method that that we 've used before that maybe you guys can comment on. Because um, user stories get used a lot. Mm-hmm. so what we would do is we 'd go through with the users and, and determine what the specific tasks were. They had task states, right and we would determine what those were. If they had thirteen different tabs in one task state they might use three and in another task state they might use six, figure out what those specific silos are, and then build the interface to that. If you can make it common amongst tasks and put it into different states, then you get fewer screens. But in essence, you're you're trying to make it so that it flows for the user. Instead of having 13 tabs, you might end up with three of them that are a little more complex or have more states involved. Or, or maybe be able to morph dynamically. as Well,
1: exactly. you get back to this idea of you've built the app to make it easy as possible for the developer, not for the user. right? And he's created every one of those... Fields once, so there's these, you know, all these screens that you do probably may not need for all of them in any given task, but right. every task combined represents all of them. Right, and it's like build what the user actually wants, just the fewest number of things necessary to do that given task, and you end up with a whole. It's more code and it's more separate screens, but for any given task, it's fewer. Does that help, sir? You want a follow up question? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I was kept away from the users until I was. Halfway done building it, which was part of the problem. Why would we want you to talk wow. to users? That's just crazy talk. Imagine that. <laughs> yes. So
2: this is a problem that we talked about in the Agile conference. Actually, sure. A, the, one of the big benefits of having developers talking to users, and one of the big roadblocks of that is your manager.
1: Yeah, that was pr- actually it was the on-site manager. Right. It's a one of the major cell phone carriers. I'm. It's an application to track. Uh, do, you, do yourself a favor don't jeopardize your job on our show it's not worth um, it we appreciate the you know if you're willing to do this to, to you know dangle your career out there but just uh, say okay well. <laughs> but did, you, did
2: you get any good suggestions yeah. or food?
1: yes
0: okay. <laughs> you know, an, another approach another approach that i've seen to to a similar problem with what you described is along the lines of what this gentleman just brought up uh I think he used the word task who was that that was just up here yeah, so you know, I, I've been on a couple of sites where I've seen this kind of approach where, yeah, there's a whole bunch of fields, right? But instead of entering every single one of them, basically ask the user, "What is? what do you want to do? What right. is your goal here? So the app is laid out in a, um uh, let's put something, task-driven development, right? <laughs> a a, a, a oh, task no. approach. I want to do the following. Collect this information, enter this information, and get that following done. If my next step is to do this... Then I'm going to collect these other fields, but I may have 10 of them that were already entered from the previous thing. So it's all going to the same database. So now some of these are pre-filled. So instead of having all the information on there separated in tabs, um, kind of invert it and ask the user, what is the task at hand that you want to accomplish? And put a view on that screen for that task. I also like. And some to- of the, some of the things may be filled. Some of them may not.
2: I also like the idea of dynamic screens, because we can easily, when we fill in or have one option, that can easily bring up more or less fields of different types dynamically. Uh, and so you're sort of walking through a story with a, with a sort of a logic tree, rather than you know sort of giving everybody all of the fields all at once. Uh, it makes more sense to just show them and hide them as necessary. But how
1: many different ways have we seen collect address data? Yeah. You know, where you really need, you really actually need to specify the country first, so then you can format the attitude oh, yeah. according to the country. Yeah. And then it's like, if you're talking about Canada, the US, or even the UK, as soon as you enter a zip code, I know what state you're in. I know what city you're in. How
2: about this? You're on a tablet. Can I use your current location? Yeah. Let's start we, with your zip code in your city and state already filled in. Yeah.
1: With, based on GPS data or, or, or IP data or yeah. Wi Fi lookup data. Like there's all these different sources to say, Seeing how you're connected, I roughly know you're here. Is that close enough? Right. There's an awful lot of information available there. So this whole task-oriented approach that I was talking about is something
0: that I found uh, Apple was very, very successful with in mm-hmm. the iOS devices. And yep. and in my opinion, it's really what made um, – it was one of the things that I think was a failure with Windows 6.5, Windows Phone 6.5, and was fixed when they reimagined imagined if we're going to use the term of the day, uh, with Phone 7 and Phone 8, which is actually done right. I mean, I think they've done a fantastic interface with um, with uh, Phone 7 and Phone 8. Um, but Apple did this correctly, and that is, forget about putting a user desktop experience, a one-size-fits-all, on a mobile device. Yeah, That's a failure. We know it failed. Apple did it in a way where everything is, what is it that I want to do? I mean, there is a little bit of commonality in the elements that make up an application. But if you think about it, the question that every... And that's why... That's why every Apple application on the iPhone and the iPad is so intuitive to the point of what I said at the beginning of the show, that you never, ever have to pick up a manual. Because it's always about what am I trying to do? What is the task at hand? And let me steer the view and the user experience to accomplishing that task at hand. I don't want to have to
2: look for the steering wheel.
0: Absolutely, in the trunk. and I don't want any other crap that has nothing to do with what I just asked right. to do. Contextual, exactly, very contextual. And you know, Microsoft followed good suit on that. They when they did Phone Seven, Phone Eight, mm. uh, in their own way, mm. um, and and they did it. That's exactly the primary difference between six point five and Phone Seven. Yeah. Is that you know, whatever tile you press on, it's going to give you the screens to accomplish the goal of what that tile set out to do. And that's what iOS does very, very well. Yeah. And, you learned a lot and, and I don't want to say make the reverse mistake where now every desktop app should look like, an, like a, a mobile device, but that question should still be asked because I think that's going to develop smarter desktop applications. I can write a trading application for Morgan Stanley. I don't want it to look like Microsoft Office. Just because well, MDI applications were all the rage. We gotta use the ribbon, we gotta use this. Right. But I also don't want it to be a mobile device because nobody's gonna touch the damn screen. They're gonna use a keyboard. But I can still ask myself the question, what are the tasks, the different goals of this application? What do I expect the user to do on a day by day basis in the eight hours they're sitting at their desk? And what is the best way that I can illustrate these nine or ten things that they're gonna be doing?
2: And if there's too many, let's consider splitting them off into separate apps.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly right. I've been trying I'm been wrestling with this whole issue of why we're so resistant to have multiple apps, and I think it's just that we install process has been so horrible. Oh, yeah, that's right. So that you only wanted to deploy it's like it's bad enough to deploy one app. Goodness, we never want to deploy two. That's right. crazy. but
2: it, we would rather have one app with ten buttons to launch ten different screens than to write ten different apps. and that's it, not the right way because if anybody, now, you, now if any one of those changes, you have to deploy the whole app. All of them.
0: And thanks to, to fantastic connected systems technology that we have at our disposal with WCF on the SOAP side and Web API on the REST side, you can have two apps talk to each other like if they were the same app. That's mm-hmm. right.
1: That, and I think deployments just gotten less painful. It's much We've less gotten important. better deploying software. So I don't think deployment
0: deal. is even a, a, a an issue to not go down a certain path of a platform. Right. Number one reason for not doing rich desktop was because deployment yeah. was a headache. Yeah. But that right. hasn't been the case in a while.
2: And certainly with Windows Windows uh, tablets and WinRT tablets surface and you know these devices and Windows eight with Soar, you yeah. know, even, even easier, even easier. So so here's my. Homework for you guys. I would like you to go home and imagine. You know, anyone who's used Windows 8 and has gotten the experience of that of that modern app, go home and take your favorite Windows desktop app, which you use a lot. Now, it might be, you know, uh, Photoshop. It might be Premiere. It might be PowerPoint. Whatever it is, go home and reimagine that as as uh, one or more modern apps. And how would it look? And how would you take away the Chrome? And how would you focus on the content? And what would go in the app bar on these different
0: screens? Like, just think about that. Think about what that would take. And and keep in mind, you're not necessarily talking about turning every desktop app into a mobile app. That's not what Carl is describing here. The whole sliding thing is a beautiful paradigm. It's a beautiful concept. To me, it has no place on the desktop. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that multiple views with navigation left and right arrows do not. That's right. a good way of going among view, between views and keeping things simple and ensuring that the user doesn't wind up on a view that they're not supposed to be in. Yeah. On a tablet, they would slide. On and
2: a desktop, they would not. Let's also think about um, a hybrid approach, which is a large touchable screen, sort of like a, uh, an all-in-one, or maybe a 30-inch monitor that is Or Bomber's <laughs> 80. How would, no, just forget about an 80. <laughs> just a 30 or a 24-inch monitor that's touch. And if you have that available to you, you know, sort of at a 45-degree angle in front as your work service, how would you design your app then? That's a good, that's a good thought experiment. The Star
1: Trek
0: console. How many, oh, oh, man, you just beat me to it. How many people are Star Trek fans here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we yeah. go. It is the Star Trek console he's describing. Design your, your app. I was, the... I was thinking, how many people
0: here know what L-Cars means? Yeah. All right, L-Cars. library, computer access, and retrieval, right? right. How many people knew that that's what it meant? Uh, All right, real trekkers. <laughs> Notice I said trekkers, not Trekkies nice. But but think about it. When you're when you're looking at, at, at the at the, the computer consoles on any one of the modern Star Trek shows and you're seeing uh, not only the, the Federation ones, which are L cars, but even yeah. the alien ones, they're all about that, right? It's never just a monitor and a keyboard, it's just one giant surface and everything is on there. Or multiple surfaces. Or multiple yeah. surfaces. Yeah.
2: So let's think about that.
0: We see that in Hawaii 50. Who watches Hawaii 50? Have you seen the table that they have on Hawaii 50? the most blatant Microsoft product placement on the history of the planet, right? It's yeah. awesome what they do there. <laughs> but they got this massive Surface uh, b- machine that not only are they able uh, to work Pixel on, sense. but he actually takes something and goes like this. <laughs> and it winds up on the screen. And what you so just, what you just did
2: for those listening <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> is you took your hand and I made went, a large gesture swiping swipe, it off yes. to, the, to the left. To yeah. The screen. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's fun, isn't it? I can't believe this is my job. Hey, one more hand for Miguel Castro. Give it up. We'll see you next time on The Tablet Show.